Hallelujah. Why don't we give that hand clap to God today? Why don't you just thank him for the presence that we feel in this house? Is anybody thankful for a testimony in the house of God today? And we could be a lot of different places. We can be a lot of different things, but I'm thankful that I've been rooted in something that's beyond just myself, something that's greater than just what I have to offer, but I'm thankful to be in the house of God. I'm thankful to have a testimony in this house. Amen, amen. I consider it a huge honor to be able to preach and teach at my local assembly, my church, they say there's a lot of things that they could say, but people are born and raised in the South. They say you can take the boy out of the South, but you can't take the South out of the boy. Uh, and I would like to say that about this church and me, you may be able to take me out of Bakersfield, but you'll never take Bakersfield and GBFPC out of me. And so I'm really thankful. I'm thankful to be a part of this church I'm thankful to be uh, connected to what God is doing uh, through me, through my wife, through our young people. God is doing something special here, and I, I really believe it. God is raising up a generation of young people. Uh, we have musicians, we have talented singers, we have individuals that feel the call to preach, and I believe that God is raising up not just the church for tomorrow, but the church of today. I believe that God is doing a powerful work, and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. I'm thankful to be a part of it. If you have your Bibles and would care to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13 beginning in verse number 31. I want to give honor to my pastor and my wife, my pastor's wife, excuse me, my mom and dad, and I'd like to honor my wife and all the ministers on the platform today that are far more capable than I am, uh, but I'm thankful that I'm here today. I believe that God has something for somebody, and I pray that he would touch us this morning. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 31. The Bible says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Just two passages of scripture. Uh, and so for a few moments this morning, if you would help me preach, I want to preach from this title, simple subject, the triumph of seeds. If you would lay your Bibles down and pray with me, pray that God would have his way in this house. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us. I pray that you would help us to be sensitive to your word, that your hand would be wrought in this house. I pray that the anointing of God would flow in this house. I'm praying, God, in advance that you are going to do a mighty, miraculous work. And I speak faith, God, in this place. And we appreciate you and we clap our hands together. Put your hands together. And we thank you for it in advance. Amen, amen. You can be seated. In the infant stages of a seed. A seed is the smallest, most insignificant portion of what we would think of as a plant. When you see the plant, you see the leaves, you see the flowers, you see the stems and everything that it brings, but very rarely do you ever think of the seed that it once was. And seeds are the basic life form of almost everything. All of the foods that you eat, 
for the most part, are derived from a seed somewhere. When you think of fruits and vegetables, they all begin in a seed form. And the, the food that we eat that is not plants, cows and meat and all that kind of stuff, is all sustained by things that derive from a seed. And the Bible tells us very explicitly that a seed can be very powerful. In Matthew chapter 17, verse number 20, the Bible says, If ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed that you can say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. In this verse, it's not the amount of faith that you have. And it's not uh, what kind of faith, but it's, it's how you approach that faith. And so we get confused that all we need is just a little bit of faith, and that's okay. We sing about it. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. But it's the approach to that faith that is so important because it's not the size of the mustard seed. The verse tells us that it's like the mustard seed, that when the mustard seed is planted into the ground, uh, it's not just the seed that's planted, but when it grows up and springs forth life, there is a tree and there is something that is larger than just the little mustard seed. And so we're told that we ought to have faith as the grain of the mustard seed. And there are notable revolutions and notable revolts over these things called seeds. When you think of uh, the revolt of the French Revolution, uh, there is a popular saying that Mary Antoinette just told the people, let them eat cake uh, because there was a grain shortage. And that hasn't been confirmed whether or not she said that, but uh, there was, in fact, a grain shortage. And this is something that is very, very important in most cultures is you've got to have some kind of grain, whether it's wheat or whether it's barley or whether it's rice. Uh, in Egypt, the word aish means bread, but aish also means life. And so when you say bread is life, uh, you are saying something that you may not necessarily understand. In Egypt, bread is life. And so it is their primary food source, and it's something that they must have in order to survive. The seed provides the plant with the necessary resources. So when we look at this small, insignificant seed, uh, everything that is housed within that seed will provide the plant enough sustenance until it's able to make its own food. And these are very, very important to understand because seeds in and of themselves seem insignificant, but they are just the beginning of something that is far greater something that is far more powerful. And right now, all over the world, you can go to your local library, many libraries or most libraries, and you can ask them uh, for some seeds, and they will give you some native seeds, uh, native to that specific area that you can go to, and you can plant some seeds. There are seeds across the world that are of specific plants that that haven't been surviving for many, many years, but you can get a seed of that plant and you can plant it somewhere because seeds are very, very important. And when you think of all the things that plants need to survive, the similarities to us as individuals and us as people are very, very striking. And in my studies at Cal State, uh, I am a biology major, and there's two things that generally happen when you tell people that that you study biology, A is, is generally they say, wow, you must be really smart. That's the first thing, and I can assure you that's not the case. And the second thing is, is a misunderstanding that biology is just uh, the study of animals and humans and things like that. Uh, but unfortunately, in the study of biology, there's a lot more study on plants than in animals. And so uh, 
the understanding of seeds and what this comes from and, and the idea of the triumph of seeds is something that I understand because I've been trained and I've been educated in this particular field, whether it's something I enjoy or not. Uh, and so seeds are important. Seeds are powerful and they hold power. And the first thing that a seed needs, and we'll go through a couple of examples, uh, and there's many, many more. If we were to take a list of all the things that plants need to survive, uh, we may be preaching until tonight. But we're just going to go through three this morning, and I pray that you would help me preach uh, because I hope that somebody would be impacted in the house of God tonight, I don't, or this morning. I don't want it just to be another message on a Sunday morning, but I pray that God would be able to plant a seed in somebody's life, that God would be able to impact somebody just from, from one service. The course of history can be changed through the power of just a simple message. It's not very simple, it's not very deep, but all it is is just a message that it's important that we understand when we step into the house of God. There is something far greater than just ourselves, but it's a seed that is being planted in an individual's life that many years down the road, they can step back into this sanctuary and say, I remember exactly how I feel in this house because a seed was planted a long time ago. <laughs> seeds are powerful and seeds are important. And the first thing that a seed has to have in order to survive is it's got to have some light. It's got to be in a, in a place that, that it gets some sunshine. My wife and I have taken a, a hobby of trying to uh, get some plants and, and grow them in our living room, and it's, it's harder than it's, it sounds. You go buy, buy some plants, you got to water it, you got to make sure the soil is right, uh, you got to, it's, it's a baby, right? Well, our plant, it was, it was dying a little bit, and so we thought, we'll just, we'll just put it outside and give it some sun. Uh, well, we kind of sunburnt the plant, and we gave it a little too much sun. Uh, but they've got to have light in order to grow. There's no way that a seed can operate or survive without some light. Light allows the seed to begin the initial stages of photosynthesis, which the plant is able to make its own food from the sun. In the absence of light, the plant is going to die because it can't survive those conditions for very long. It cannot survive extreme conditions. And in John chapter number 4, John chapter number 9, verse number 4, the Bible clearly indicates, says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work as long as I am in the world. I am the light of the world. You see, plants, they can't survive with light very long, and it's the same as you and I. We can't survive very long with the light of our life that is Jesus Christ. If he's not operating in my life, and he's not living at the center of everything that I am, there's no way that I'm going to survive because God has to be in the middle of everything that I do. He's got to be in the center of my life. He's got to be in the center of everything in my life. We've got to have the light, capital T-H-E. You will not survive without the light. Without God, things are, are pretty dim. Without God, things are, are impossible. Because you and I aren't able to do a whole lot on our own. The Bible tells us with man all things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. And I'm reminded of a passage of scripture in the Bible about a rich young ruler. He comes to God and he tells him, you know, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus speaks directly to him and says, you've got to do uh, this and you've got to keep this commandment and you've got to do all of these things. And he tells Jesus, I've, I've done everything that there is to do. I've done it all. 
you name it, if it's written down, I've done it. And Jesus tells him that, that you've got to go sell all that you have. Tells us that the, he was a, a rich young ruler and he had many possessions. And Jesus told him that you've got to sell all that you have because it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And so the disciples standing around were amazed. And they asked him, so, so who can be saved? What is it that, that allows us to be saved? And Jesus declares unto them, with men, it's impossible. Just you and I, if we try to do things on our own, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I've come to preach faith to somebody today. If, if you've been battling and you've been struggling fear and doubt, all you've got to do is just have some faith in God because with God, all things are possible. If you just put your faith in God and believe that he is going to provide the increase, he is going to do it. If you've been thrown against a wall, if you don't know where to turn, all you've got to do is just put some faith in God. All you've got to do is just turn to God. If, if you've been running for too long, all you have to do is just turn to God and say, God, I give it all unto you because I've tried for so long to be my own light, but there's no way that I can do it on my own. And I've got to have the light of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that you and I are a city that is set on a hill, a light unto the world. I'm praying that God would make unto us a light unto the world. And so we've got the light in Jesus Christ, and we've got the power through Jesus Christ to do all things, because the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And so with men, things are impossible. Living without the light, things are impossible. If you try to grow the plant on your own, and you don't allow natural processes to take place, it's not going to grow you try to hold it in your hand and watch it sprout, it's not going to happen because you've got to allow natural processes to take place. The Greek word for light is phos, P-H-O-S, or like photos, but shorter. It means to shine or to manifest. The Bible tells us very explicitly that Jesus became the light so that we might have everlasting life. John chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him not anything was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness com comprehended it not. I'm thankful that I serve a God that is more powerful than what we can even think, what we can even understand. All we have to understand is that God is and that he is the light of men. If we just put our faith to believe in God, he is just, he is a merciful God and he will give you the peace that you have been seeking. I wonder if there's anybody that's thankful that they serve a God that is able, they serve a God that is powerful. You don't serve a dead God. You don't serve a God that's not hearing your prayers, but every prayer that has been lifted, every tear that's ever been prayed, he has it in a bottle. Woo! I wonder if there's anybody that would just thank God for about 15 seconds, that would just give God praise and say, God, I'm not able to do it on my own, but I'm thankful that I serve a God that is able. I'm thankful that I can lift up my prayers unto a God and he will hear me. Oh, come on, somebody, one more time. Why don't you put your hands together? Why don't you just thank him in the house? The Bible says, enter into his courts with praise, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. You and I are regulated by something called circadian rhythms. 
These are things which detect light and dark, and they determine when it's time to sleep, when it's time to wake up. If you've ever been in a place where there's no darkness or there is no light, uh, it's very disconcerting. Uh, when you go to bed at 11 p.m. and the sun is still out shining. Uh, we took a trip. My papa, Bishop, took me on a trip for my eighth grade uh, graduation. We went to Alaska in the summer, and the sun never went down. And so you'd wake up in the morning at 2 in the morning expecting it to be dark, and they're out working like it's 5 in the morning or 6 in the morning. Light and dark can throw you off. If there is no darkness or there's absence of light, it can be very disconcerting. And so without light... It's very challenging to live daily life. It's very hard to do anything. Without the light, it's hard to distinguish what's light and what's dark. And without Jesus, it's hard to distinguish what's right from wrong and what's right from evil. When we live without God and we live without uh, the very individual that we are speaking of, it's very challenging to recognize what we are supposed to do as individuals, who we are supposed to be in the kingdom of God, because it's important that we recognize that we have to have the light in the center. It's by no mistake that the sun is the center of everything. Because if the sun was far away, the very farthest parts of the ecosystem and the solar system, there would be no light. But everything revolves around the sun. And that's how each and every one of us ought to live our lives, is everything that I do needs to be centered, needs to be focused around the light of my salvation, which is Jesus Christ. So with the light, the word becomes a weapon against darkness. The Bible says that the word is sharp, it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart without the light, or Jesus, without the word, it's hard to decipher right from wrong. You've got to have something that allows you to discern right from evil. When you have the light, you have life, you have life more abundantly. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 7, it's a very famous passage of scripture, says that of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. When you have the light, there is no end to the goodness of God. There is no end to what he is able to do because uh, it says that we can ask and he will answer. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. And so if you've got need in the house tonight or this morning, all you've got to do is just lift it up in prayer. Just lift it up unto him because it says that he is going to answer every prayer. All you've got to do is just knock on the door and he is going to answer. All you've got to do is just lift that prayer up and he is going to answer. Hallelujah. Does anyone believe that in the house? See, some plants, some plants, is this okay on Sunday morning? Okay. Some plants, thank you. Some plants, it can survive for short periods of time without light. Right, you buy a plant and you put it in the closet where there's no windows, you know, it'll survive for a couple days. It can be sustained for a couple days. But at some point, it's going to need some natural sunlight. Your light bulbs just don't produce enough radiation for it to actually be able to photosynthesize. Uh, and so plants can survive for short durations without light. Uh, but many times if you look at those particular plants, uh, they have thin leaves and they've got shallow root systems. They don't have anything very deep in the ground because they, there's no need for it. They're not able to find any light. And 
It's the same for us. There's so many parallels between simple plants and you and I. If you're hanging out in the shadows, young people, if you're hanging out where there is no light and where you won't find any light, there's a probably going to be a mistake somewhere because individuals uh, don't last very long in the light or outside the light. If you're in the light, though, there is power, there is ability, there is things that God will give you. There is blessing, whatever it may be. There is financial blessing. There is anointing. If you're hanging out in the light, it's greater than anything that you could ever do. It's greater than anything that you would ever think of. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 119 that the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we've got to have the light. So that's the first point. That's just the introduction. I'm not even preaching yet. The second, the second is seeds must have moisture. They've got to have some moisture, right? You get a plant, you put it in a pot, you get it soil, you put it in the sun, but you got to water it. So you got to put some water in it. So without water, plant's only going to survive for a couple days. This is really simple. I told you it's not going to be very deep. You get a plant, you need to water it. Without water, the seed will not sprout. And the plant will eventually die. But germination begins with a process called imbibition. Or simply, it's a fancy word for water uptake. And this process triggers the start of the period of waking up from dormancy. So without water, the seed will just simply lay dormant and it will never sprout. But with water, the seed can grow into a plant or a tree or whatever it was designed to be. The uptake of water begins the trigger, or it allows the plant the understanding that it's time to start taking up water and start growing. When you first come to church, all of this that we experience today, it's, it's all foreign. Everything that we see, if it was your first time, you look at everything that, that we look at and we say, man, this, this is powerful singing. But the first time that you stepped into a house of God, it wasn't very common unto you. For it was like, I don't, why are these people running the aisles? Why are these people jumping up and down? It was so foreign. But slowly and surely, you begin to take on what is being preached, and you begin to see what is happening, and you begin to see why the individuals are running and why we have people that clap their hands and leap for joy. See, it was foreign then, but when you begin to understand what it means to be in Acts chapter 2, church, you begin to understand, I, I know why those individuals are why they are, and I understand why those people are why they are. You can't just lie dormant in this world, but you've got to have something that is going to root you deeper than you ever imagined. You've got to have something that solidifies your walk with God. I know it may be weird, and I know it may be uncommon to come to church three times a week, but my God, we need more church because there's nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. I want to be able to to have my cup overflowing. Hallelujah. I want the water to overflow in my life. Romans chapter 13, verse number 11 says, In that knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of a sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, now is the time to arise out of darkness and to step into his marvelous light. You see, the trigger for most new converts is the understanding that I've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. 
Just like the seed, when they begin to take in water, it's the trigger to say, you know what, I've got to step out of this dormancy phase. I've got to step out of this sleepy time phase. When you step into the house of God and you begin to experience the Acts chapter 2 experience and you begin to say, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. It's the trigger. It's the warning that, hey, I've got to awake out of a sleep and I've got to step into what God has in store for me. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you've got a testimony in the house of God. You've got a testimony to declare unto individuals that don't know, hey, this is greater than anything that you could ever have. This is greater than anything that you could experience. And I'm thankful to be in the house of God to experience his goodness and his greatness. So you've got to have some moisture. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse number 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Hey, there's still power in the baptism of Jesus' name. If you've been baptized in the titles or in other names, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is still power in the name of Jesus. For God said, wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and hath given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, all things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth must bow at the mention of his name. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hey, if you've got need tonight or this morning, all you've got to do is just lift up the name of Jesus. If you've got need in your mind, need in your body, all you've got to do is just lift up the name of Jesus. Just declare unto Jesus, God, I just like a seed. There's no way that I can do it on my own. And I understand that if I do it by myself, there's nothing that's going to come of it. But God, when I have you in my life, all things become possible. All things become new. Hallelujah. Is there anybody that would worship with me and just say, God, I'm so thankful for your goodness. So you've got to have some moisture. You've got to have Jesus. You've got to have God to survive. For without water, there is no remission of sins. When I was a boy and I came up out of the watery grave, I was a lot of things at that time. But when I come up out of a watery grave, I'm so much more than I was in the past. Because God's not just looking at what we were in the past. He doesn't look at our past faults and our past failures, but he looks at the future of who we can be as individuals. And he says, my, they have potential. They have power. I've come to tell somebody today, the blood still works. If you're worried and concerned that the blood isn't able to cover your life and your failures and your sins, the power of God still works. When you went down into a watery grave, you come up a new creature, you come up a new individual and there is power that flows inside of you because you have been baptized and buried in his name that when you come up out of the water no longer are you just Peyton Bradford but now you are an individual of God you are an heir to the king you are a powerful mighty individual so no sin is too great for God to cover if you've been worrying about your faults and your failures God is a merciful God and his grace is sufficient for us. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. 
We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the blood that was shed on Calvary. And we overcome by the word of our testimony. Each and every one of us has a testimony. We all have something specific to us. When you go to a new restaurant, the first thing generally that you do is you look up the testimonials of that particular restaurant. A testimony is the greatest witness. It's the greatest asset that we can have. You don't have to just walk around. You don't feel, have to feel like you've got to walk around with a bunch of material uh, trying to learn all of this stuff. But all you have to do is just step onto the scene and say, God did something mighty for me. I'm reminded of the man that was healed of blindness. The individuals came unto him and said, what happened? Who is this man that did it? And he said, I don't know, but I once was blind and now I see. I don't, I don't know everything that there is to know. I don't know all of the stories. I don't know all of the verses, but this one thing I know. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, through the power of water baptism, I have been made more than a conqueror. That's the second thing. Now I'm, I'm a little bit preaching now. Third thing is, some seeds, they lay dormant in the wilderness. They lay dormant and they need some kind of extreme event to stimulate germination or to sprout up. So the seed has a little bit of a, an anatomy of the seed. It has a, a thick outer coating which protects it from the environment, protects it from uh, birds and mammals and seasonal changes and things like that. If a seed gets eaten uh, and it's not digested, it can then be also used as, uh, as a plant. It can survive uh, different things. And it's important that it has the protection from the environment because it needs to be transported and carried great distances. But if the coating is not removed, if that outer layer is not removed, the seed will lay dormant for a long extended period of time without germination. So every couple of years here in California, we are very accustomed to large forest fires. We understand what a forest fire is uh, because A, we live in a desert, and B, some people don't really understand what it means to put out a fire. And so we have forest fires uh, many times in the summers. Sometimes fire is the catalyst to promote germination in the seed. Because what begins to happen is the, the fire destroys the impermeable layer of the seed and allows the water to be able to saturate the seed. So the fire destroys that thick outer coating, which then allows for water uptake. There's no mistake, as we ourselves sometimes have a protection against the environment, each and every one of us have something that we call pride that we put on everywhere that we go, and it's this hard outer coating. It's this coating that doesn't allow any water, doesn't allow the Word of God to get unto us, but we are so calloused and so hard that, that nothing is able to penetrate that coating, and we try everything on our own. We want to do everything on our own because we understand better than God understands. And sometimes it takes an act of God to penetrate that outer coating. It takes an act of God and a fire to break through what God wants to do in our lives. And this is why God used the tongue as indication of the Holy Ghost because it's God's words speaking through me. It's God's words in my mouth. I try to control everything. If you've ever had 
the Holy Ghost, you understand there is a point when you are praying down in the altar that, that you've got to allow God to just take control of your tongue and you've got to allow him to just speak for you. Try to, instead of trying to do everything on my own, I try to control everything because if I've got it in a box and I can control it, generally I can allow myself to not be vulnerable. But when I allow God to, to penetrate that outer coating, and all of a sudden I become vulnerable to the things of God, and He is able to work on my life, there is something more powerful than you could ever imagine. The Bible says that it is a promise, and it is for each and every one of us, and we can allow the Holy Ghost to begin to operate in our lives. But all we have to do is just say, God... I can't do it on my own. I'm sick and tired of living the way that I am living, and I pray that you would just work on my life. Just begin to work on my heart. Just begin to pray. God, I pray that you would be able to penetrate my heart so that you would be able to work on me. This is why John the Baptist described accurately the coming of Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, verse number 11, he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. For he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You see, even John the Baptist understood and knew it's going to take an act of God sometimes to penetrate the outer covering in the shell that you and I have. But you know what? God is here in this house, and the Holy Ghost is operating in this place. And if you are just willing to allow God to begin to move in your life, if you just allow God to begin to move, he will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For the Bible says the promise is unto you, and it is unto your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You see, something powerful happens when the fire comes upon you. You see, the three Hebrew boys... With Nebuchadnezzar, they would not bow to any graven image. They would not bow to this, this image that he had created, this God. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood strong for what they believed. Told Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow. And we are not careful to give your God any kind of accolades or any kind of, of respect. And so they did not bow. And they were thrown into the fiery furnace. You see, when the power of God begins to, to operate in your life and you're thrown into the fire, there's a fourth that shows up on the scene that works on your behalf that says, you know what, there is a fire through the power of God. Hey, there's just not three in this fiery furnace, but there's a fourth that is with us and his name is Jesus Christ, and that's how we ought to be. Hey, we may be thrown into the fire, and it may be right that, that things may be working on us and dealing on us, but when you're thrown into the fire, all you've got to know is that God has your back, that God is working on your behalf, and he has everything in control so all you have to do is just give him all power and all authority it's not by my will not by my power but by God so we've got to give it unto God we've got to give what we think is right we've got to give it unto God because God knows what is best Jeremiah says that the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of the Lord is like a burning fire that is shut up in my bones if you've ever been to service on a Sunday night and it's high Pentecost 
you understand what it means when he says it's a fire shut up in my bones because there's nothing that you can't do when you have the power of God operating in your life. It feels like you're on cloud nine, that you can do no wrong because God has your back. You can run the aisles and you don't get tired. You can lift your hands and you don't get tired. But the power of God is still working. The power of God is still able to do more than we can even think or even ask. And so the power of God is important. Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 verse number 8 you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon me you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth if you've come as the musicians come if you've come and you are seeking after what God has in store and this is for all of us because the Holy Ghost needs to operate in each and every one of our lives this is not just a sinner's message. This is not just a message for, for individuals that, that maybe this is their first time, but it's for each and every one of us because we need the power of God to break through that outer coating of what we are and what we think we are. If you need comfort, if you need peace, joy, long-suffering, power, direction, instruction, you need the Holy Ghost. You need the power of God. The Holy Ghost changes the way you think. Holy Ghost changes the way you talk, the way you act, the way you behave. We read about it in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible tells us very explicitly, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, much like we are today. When the, suddenly there came a sound of heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting, much like us right now. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. There was a question to all the other people that were around them. They began to say, I'm hearing the language of my native country, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, Cretes, Arabians, and they're hearing all of these different languages. And they're questioning, they're marveling at it because they're saying, I haven't heard, I haven't heard this language in a long time. And Peter tells them, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel a long, long time ago. These men are not drunk as ye suppose because it's only the third hour of the day. But what is happening is these individuals are allowing themselves to be a seed. They're allowing themselves to be vulnerable to the things of God so that God can penetrate the heart and say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm going to give you full capability because I know that there are the inner parts of my heart that, that maybe that's a little uncomfortable. And I don't want to give that unto you because that's going to cause me some pain and that's going to cause me some hurt. But we've got to be willing to give God our full heart. We've got to be willing to give God the darkest parts of our hearts so that he may be able to turn it white as snow, so that he may be able to transform us, not just into a person that, that has failures and has problems, but, is an, but into a person that is more than a conqueror, into a person that has power and has a testimony through the power of God. The inspiration behind this message is from a book much of this is from uh, personal study in school, but the inspiration behind the, this message is from a book that I read recently. His name is Thor Hansen. He's a biologist and conservationist. 
He said he took a liking to seeds because his son was fascinated with them. He didn't understand how you could put something in the ground and it would sprout. He said his son, with a little bit of a lisp, couldn't say seed. Young age, and so it was always heed. And so he began to do a deep dive and a study into what makes seeds so powerful. And so at his university where he taught, he began to study the makeup of seeds. And it's a rather funny story. It's rather comical because he's in his office and he's got this tiny little seed. I think it's an almond tree that he's got. And he's looking at this particular seed and, and he's trying to break it open. He's trying to figure out what, what are the contents inside of this seed. I, I want to I know more about the seed. And so you can imagine just a tiny little seed and he's trying to break it open. So he puts it on the table, tries to smash it, he steps on it, tries to, to cut it, but every time he would try to cut it, it would shoot off the other side of the room. Then he'd go pick it up again and he'd try to cut it again and it'd shoot off the other side of the room. And so finally he decided, I'm just going to do this myself, I'm going to get a hammer and I'm going to try to bust this seed open. So that's what he did. He grabbed a hammer put it on the table, he began to just hammer the seed, trying to see what was inside, until finally a professor that was next door came and admonished him and said, Thor, I'm trying to have class in the next door classroom, you've got to keep it down, you're making too much noise, I, I can't teach my class because you're distracting, so he's trying to open this seed and eventually he gets it open, but when he gets it open he just completely destroys the seed. The very thing that he was looking for, the contents inside, they have no use. So while he was partly successful, now the seed is, is inviolable. When he's attempting to crack this seed as we begin to stand, as he's cracking the seed, this tiny little seed, it comes to the realization that he's not the one that's supposed to be opening the seed. He's not the one that is supposed to be forcing this to happen. And much like trying to make the rose unfold, he understands that in his words, he says, it only can happen through natural processes. That's his biology way of describing it. But we know the only way that it happens is through the power of God. And so that is my question to you today. Will you try to just crack the seed? Do it on your own. Don't allow God to work. And then what you're left with is this broken mess. It's inviolable. The rose isn't even pretty after you unfold it. There's problems. There's mistakes. Or will you allow God to do a work? Will you allow God to permeate your spirit and be able to penetrate the deepest depths of your heart? You've got to allow God to work His natural processes. We've got to realize, if you can put up my text scripture, Matthew chapter 13, verse number 31, I believe. Each and every one of us is a seed. We all are a seed. The Bible tells us that 
In the Old Testament, he says that I am just filthy rags. All I have to offer is filthy rags. You and I, we don't, we don't have much to offer. We really don't. We don't have much to offer unto God. Because you and I, we're just rags and we're just dirt and we're breath. But when we begin to allow God to work, just like the mustard seed, go to the next verse. When we are planted in something greater than ourselves, we become greater, the greatest among all of the herbs. The power of God is able to take us more than just beyond what we think, more than beyond what we see in the mirror, but He works upon the heart. If we allow Him to just operate in our lives. The Bible tells us that John the Baptist was the greatest in the kingdom. and He had the Holy Ghost. And how much more are you and I in the kingdom of God today? We have the power of God operating in each and every one of our lives. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you have more than half the Bible had. But we've got to allow God to just begin to work on our heart and understand, God, I am a seed. And I want you to do whatever you will do unto me. I open these altars. If you understand and you know, God, I want you to just work on my life. I know that I'm not perfect. I don't have a whole lot to offer unto you, but, but I know that through you, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. If you would begin to lift up your hands and would just begin to lift up your voice and pray unto God, God, I pray that you would make me more than a conqueror. Make me an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. I pray that you would just begin to pray, God, move in my life. I don't want to be so hard and calloused, but I want to offer unto you the very depths of my heart, the very parts that it would hurt. For God can take anything and make it more than what it is. Just begin to sing. Begin to worship as they begin to sing. God, I pray that you would touch each and every one of us. Help me to be sensitive to your spirit and to your word. I need your glory, I need your glory God. I want your glory.